If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more streaming platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. The Premier League is back and it's had its fair share of intrigue and controversy this week as Spurs beat Manchester City, Liverpool ease past Leicester and what the hell's going on in the MLS. All that on this week's show on the OTC podcast. Hello and welcome back to the OTC podcast with myself, Regan Walsh, and my co-host Bradley Morris. How are you today, Brad? I haven't been scored football really ever. I mean, we literally had the international break and nothing really happened. We're back to Premier League and there's a lot happening in across the weekend's fixtures, whether it's in the Villa game, Tottenham game. The craziness that happened at Craven Cottage yesterday or the madness of Ellen Road. We'll get onto all of that throughout the course of this show. We've also talking about some of the crazy things happened in the MLS over the past weekend. A look ahead to some of the English sides in Europe as well as a lovely story from Norway. But as ever, we've got to start off here in the Premier League as action got underway with uh, Chelsea playing Newcastle in what appeared to bring Chelsea into the title race as well as Liverpool and Tottenham. A comfortable win for Chelsea. Um, out with uh, Federico Fernandes' own goal in the opening 10 minutes and then Tammy Abraham shortly after the hour mark it's now I mean we said it on Friday Chelsea could be up there and are starting to look good but now in a proper title race you got to say it, it almost seems like it really given the stars of everyone else uh, they, it, was, it was fairly routine for them yeah in the end and just say poor Newcastle yeah I mean from minute one, I think they looked like they were going to struggle. Chelsea just came out of the blocks firing. And then, it's the only time they looked like doing anything. And then uh, once the own goal went in, they just seemed to like drop off a little bit. And you got to say, the decision to buy Eduard Mendy from Frank Lampard and the rest of the Chelsea backroom staff is definitely one that's paying off because I think that's now... Six or seven clean sheets he's kept in all competitions, and he's definitely paying off for Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Uh, elsewhere in the title race, Spurs beat Manchester City 2 0 with goals from Giovanni Lo Celso and Hyungjin Son. Did we think we'd be saying that? <laughs> no, I mean, it's now. With this victory, 
Spurs are top of the table and we've never been this deep into a Premier League season and Spurs be at the top. And it also, this past weekend, marked a year of Jose Mourinho at Tottenham. I mean, he really is a miracle worker. I think he's, he's all right. I've always rated him. We need to christen this now, this podcast, because this performance was what we could call the Jose special. Yeah. Get absolutely dominated in possession. Uh, 66 to 33. Man City have 22 shots to Spurs' is four, and Spurs win the game 2-0. It sounds like a game of FIFA, it really, doesn't it? They were disciplined. They just managed the game in pure Mourinho masterclass. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people be like, oh, he parked the bus or he didn't turn up, but it's actually a genius way of playing because... I mean, they've managed to Ooh, score geez. two goals against them. And then questions are now going to be asked about Pep and Man City because that result leaves them in 13th place. Uh, six points off a top four spot. You've got to be questioning how bad they've had to the start of this season. This is, without doubt, the most work that Pep has had to go through in his oh. managerial career yeah i don't think he's had this hard of a task of trying to get them playing well yeah, in a long long time whether that's because of the coronavirus break that we've had and like the short amount of time being able to flip over games or it's due to the fact that He's not had his full calibre of players available for every game this season. I mean, that could also be intercepted. But also his former team, uh, Barcelona, who we'll touch on a bit later, they're also having their worst start to the league season in years as well. So it's strange to see two top sides like that struggling in the league. Yeah. Um, could we say? Could we say that we're slowly descending into the end of a specific era? The tiki taka Pep era. The the the, the, the football that Guardiola brought it was influenced how modern football is, but that influenced almost not bigger the word, but it's materialised into something a bit further. Yeah. And a bit faster pace. Is he being left? He's being left. But is he being left behind a little bit, or is he just a bit, a bit tactically stubborn and not wanting to change much? I, I think he's stubborn. I don't know whether Tiki Tech is fully dying out yet, but I think it's a little bit stubbornness of his unwillingness to change the side and how they play at this minute in time. Whether it is becoming outdated and he will eventually. Uh, start having to go out of football because he's or unless he learns a new style of way because it is now definitely a lot different to how he used to play five ten years ago when he was at uh, Barcelona and even at Bayern Munich the game has certainly evolved into a I don't even know how you describe this new era of football 
Like, it's not really the full. <laughs> can't, can't it's not really the full gig and press that Klopp is known for at Dortmund and what he's brought over to Liverpool. Because you you don't really see many teams do that though, do you? So no, it's much probably like coaches more important nowadays. Yeah, he definitely. Because I mean, thinking back to like. 60s onwards up until the early noughties your bog standard was a 4-4-2 four, 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 and then your occasional 4-3-3 three, three thrown in and then every, like every team you would just have different variants of playing that uh, where nowadays you've got to be very tactically aware as a manager of how you can change things up elsewhere in the Premier League uh, there was the Controversy at Villa Park um, as Brighton beat Aston Villa two goals to one thanks to Sully March and Danny Welbeck scoring his first goal for Brighton and then uh, fullback <laughs> Tariq Lamptey. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, I can't believe he's. Well, I always what, 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 what always said about Villa. What is it I've always said about Villa? Don't get too confident. It's. Well, I guess it's that, but it's always that. You've got, got a player in here to help it out. Go on. We'll help you. Yes, definitely. I mean, He's injured for 64 days a year. And it's obviously it's score against Villa. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the game before we get onto the incident? I think we, we've had awful. Mm. Oh. I can't sit there and say, oh, we deserve to lose. No, we had so many chances in that first half where we could have smashed Brighton. Yeah. But it was it was the lapsing concentration of defence. A bit like Man United against Istanbul or Wesker. They committed so many for a little bit. Yeah. And I just completely forgot, oh, wait, so we'll have to stay back. <laughs> yeah. I think that was quite obvious to see at times. There was far too much trying to press from the front and try and score as many rather than realising actually although they might not be the best team it, you give any team space to counter attack and they are going to do so um, it, it didn't help that Ross Barkley got injured within two minutes taking a free kick and pulling his hammy I mean that just shows he hasn't he clearly was a stretchy probably yeah, he hasn't warmed up properly if if you're pulling your hamstring that early on in the game and then had to be replaced by uh, Bertrand Traore. But um, obviously the big talking point of the game happened in stoppage time when uh, Aston Villa were awarded a penalty or initially awarded a penalty. Uh, what are your thoughts on the incident? So thank God you're not getting my thoughts straight after this game. Um, first of all, I'd still believe it's a penalty. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't understand why it's not given. Yeah. It's one well, of my them where... is... Carry on. Yeah. It's one of them where you've seen them given and at the same time you can understand why the official hasn't given them. I mean, it's just like, it's just, the only consistency that we have at the minute in the league 
is the inconsistency of the officials and one week you you look at that and an official is giving that as a penalty and then another week you're looking at it and it's not a penalty. I mean, I'm just looking at the replay of it now and I can understand why Michael Oliver gave it as a penalty initially. But then you look at the replay and you're like, he seen uh only March. Like, away and you can say yeah it's one of them you can see there's contact but is it enough to make was it Trezeguet? well it doesn't help that it goes down like he's been it doesn't help that it goes down like he's been shot yeah it's one of them if he goes down a little less theatrical i think the ref's still gonna give it even looking at var i think mm if you if he's smarter about uh, the incident he would uh, have the penalty and it probably would have ended in a 2-2 draw but because i think i think the main reason the ref overturned it was because he saw how theatrical Trezeguet was with it it was weird when he, even when he looked back at it because he only saw one view of it and that was behind Trezeguet yeah how are you supposed so, to judge contact from that angle? Yeah, it's, it's one thing I keep... I know I've said it a few times in the podcast already, but the Premier League aren't using multiple angles to look at it. Because think of how many cameras you, there is uh, at a Premier League game. You'll have all the angles from any angle of the ground. So you'll have one both behind, behind both goals and then you'll have a few at the side on the side of the pitch whether it's the high up angles or the pitch view camera or you know the sky cameraman that you see running along so there's surely enough angles there that uh, the people in Stockley Park can go right ref okay here's it from one angle here's it from another angle here's it from a third angle and it has to be I think three angles minimum to say right the screen might the screen monitor that they get should have three different cameras on it. Yeah. Three different views. Three different angle points because I don't know I've said I said it two, three weeks back now, but the Houston Dynamo game against LAFC, I, I, I keep saying this because it just springs into my mind and it's uh, related. So there was a high foot initially by an LAFC player and the referee gave the penalty. And then you can understand from his point of view, it looked like there was a high foot and he touched his face you go to the flip angle of it and it's not given because there's like a good centimeter or so if not more gap between the player's boot and the player's face so he's overturned because there's no contact there so you're like if they can use that in the mls league which is apparently not as good as the premier league well then why can't we do why can't our officials have a different viewing We've put that down to Americans being more used to using video technology in their sports. Yeah, but it's only used, I mean, it's no matter, it doesn't matter whether they're more used to using the techno- technology because an NBA referee or an NFL referee is not going to manage or referee a MLS game, is it? So the MLS referees are coming to it as new as what they are over here. Mm. Oh. Else, gone. No, it was nothing else. We'll, we'll continue to have this argument and discussion for months on end. 
Yeah, I don't think it until they come up with something that can help it because at the minute it's just throwing up more and more talking points in the Premier League and it seems to be causing more controversy than solving anything really. Elsewhere, uh, Man United beat West Bromwich Albion 1 0. Uh, Bruno Fernandes scoring from a penalty spot, which you feel like is the millionth time saying that or hearing that at least. Uh, which came after West Brom were initially. Definitely Yes. Uh, West Brom were initially awarded a penalty themselves. Um, Townsend plays the ball, played the ball into Conor Gallagher. And then uh, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, the, uh, for me, I've seen it a few times, but you can see. Uh, I think it was Fernandes that made the challenge. He gets enough of the ball for me on this one. So to have the this one have been down. given, I'd have been livid. Yeah, because then you like, why wasn't the Villa one? Because it the way the player goes down is it practically the exact same with Trezeguet going down. Mm. So at least there's that bit of consistency. And then uh, with Man United's penalty, uh, it was hitting Darnell Furlong on the arm and then uh, the initial penalty was saved, but it was a judge that uh, Sam Johnston was off his line or had both feet off his line and had to be retaken. Which... Is it, really only seems, is it really only seems to happen at Old Trafford? That... I mean, they all, everyone's going to come up with this analogy or United always get the penalties. But... So, some keepers now start behind the line. Yeah, it's, I think it's because, the, I don't know, it was last season. I think at the start of last season. You can't save the ball. ball. Go on. So you can't save the ball. Just standing still but you've got to make a step forward when you do it yeah. I mean, i'm no goalkeeper but <laughs> yeah i think it's because previously they'd seen that the keepers were coming like a good few yards off the line and that's how they made it easier for them to save it because they were getting closer to the ball but now the rule is you're going to have at least one foot on the line at the whole time when taking when a penalty is being taken, otherwise it will be retaken and you could uh, potentially be cautioned. So that's uh, what that is, that's what it is with that incident. It also gives Man United their first home win of the season, which is, is a that the first home win. Yeah, it's the first home win they've had this season. The, fo- uh, the first home win at the Fortress that is Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. All those years I've watched my fortress, that place was, and now they're only just winning. Yeah, because they lost to Palace on their opening, it wasn't the opening weekend, but their opening weekend. Then the next game they got uh, battered by Tottenham 6-1. Then the third game they played was a Nuno draw with Chelsea. The next one, uh, they lost to Arsenal, and then that was the first win. Um, Elsewhere in the Premier League this weekend, we had... The madness at Craven Cottage, where Everton beat Fulham three-two. I mean, that was the, the madness that Fulham actually scored goals. Yeah, I mean they actually scored twice as well. 
So, I mean, within the first 45 seconds, I think it was, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored for uh, Carlo Ancelotti's side. Uh, after 15 minutes, Bobby De Cordova Reed equalised. Then Calvert-Lewin again scored after poor defending from Fulham. Then six minutes later, Abdelaita Corey scored a header after a great crossing from uh, Luca Digne. And then with 20 minutes left, Loftus-Cheek scored for Fulham. But watching that game, Fulham were just awful defensively. And I can understand why they are... Uh, in in and around the relegation zone, they also um, were awarded a penalty, um, which Cavallero took. And I've got to say, we had a go at uh, Adamola Luckman recently on social media for his attempted penenka. They get the same lessons. I mean. He, he tries to take it, but as he's running up to the spot, he's uh, non-striking foot just hits his standing foot and he slips and sends the ball over the bars. Like it's, the best comparison for it is it's David Beckham from like years ago against Turkey. Just kicks his foot, bang, yeah. slips. Yeah. That is perfect comparison. I mean, you've got to say. Just one one day of the week after you finish the main bit of training, Scott Parker just teach the lads how to take a penalty normally. Because you can't be having two big missed penalties like that. I mean, both would both would have earned them points this season because that would have been a draw this game. And then wasn't the one the wasn't Luckman's one the, the other week for a draw or was that for a win? Oh, I don't remember. It might have been drawn. Consider the the points are just they're almost yeah, that yeah. desperate for points right now in their position. It's, it's crucial to staying up or going down. Yeah, I mean, it was against West Ham and it would have been for a draw because uh, it finished one up to West Ham just before the international break. So, if you add two points onto what they've currently got, that would have given six. So it would have a three-point gap between them and the relegation zone instead of a one-point gap to what they currently have between themselves and West Brom. Um, it's weird. Do you forget? It's weird because that bottom four looks like it's. It looks like that bottom four is already being left behind a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a five-point gap between Brighton and Fulham, who are 16th and 17th, and I think that pretty much could be the bottom four for the season, just, I think, placing. I mean, Burnley, they've got two games in hand over Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United. So, win both of them and they'll be close to uh, Brighton. But you got to say, Burnley aren't looking too decent. I mean, we are pre-recording this before they played their game against Crystal Palace. So a win there. Yeah, they're going to batter Palace tonight. Yeah, if they were to beat, well, beat or even, uh, they'd go out of the relegation zone and push Fulham into it by a point. I, would, I still wouldn't roll out here for that bomb for going on a run. Mm. 
I think they just need to get start picking up uh, maybe like a draw or two and then get like a win against sides around them and then they will start picking up, I think. Uh, elsewhere in the Premier League, we saw West Ham beat Sheffield United 1-0 thanks to their Sebastian Halle goal. Um, West Ham had lots of opportunities in that game to score more. Uh, well, gotta say uh, credit to West Ham having a really good season up in eighth. Um, again, piling on the misery, and I'm not so much the pressure on Chris Chris Wilder. I don't think there is any sacking. Not yet, anyway. Not yet, but you gotta say he has to start winning soon because. If they leave this like another three, four games and the likes of Burnley and West Brom and even Fulham start picking up draws, let alone victories, they are going to start opening in a big gap to Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United. Sorry. Um, the other game that we've had uh, was Leeds Arsenal at Ellen Road. Uh, it was a nil-nil game. I mean... How dare, I think, say, how dare I think this was going to be a goal first? Yeah. I mean, you got to feel uh, sorry for Leeds because I mean, Leeds had 25 shots throughout the game, but failed to convert any of them. Um, again, Arsenal didn't really look that good, did they? I mean, it's one of them where I said on the preview show the other day. It's one of them where Arsenal will either turn up or they'll just be really poor throughout the whole game. And it's definitely the latter compared to what you would expect of an Arsenal side against Leeds. Because on paper, you would say that Arsenal side is miles better than Leeds. I guess on paper, you would say that. uh, It's weird because we were slightly going on a bit. In the last show, you know, Arsenal fans may be overreacting a little bit, mm. but then I see them Sunday and go, "Actually, now they maybe have a point." <laughs> yeah. Um. Obviously, the big talking point of that game was uh, Nicola Pepe getting sent off uh, six minutes into the second half for a headbutt on Alan. What on earth was Pepe thinking there? I mean, whether there was much contact or not, that seems to be up in the air uh, for debate. But you've got to say, contact or no contact, what on earth is he doing that for? He'd be lost, he said. It's just as simple as that, I think. Because I, I the way I was watching it, they were showing past like, past incidents in the game where there's Pepe shoving Alioski away through. Mm. So I do that clearly throughout the game those two were having words. Alioski was obviously man marking him the whole game. And yeah. yeah, Pepe obviously lost it the ones and I mean, with all that that was going around and you just gotta keep your cool whether he is saying things to you or getting in your head a bit, you just gotta be like, right, just don't think about it. And then if you score the winner, you, you'll have the last laugh over him, but Pepe let you get the better of him. And now he's uh, suspended for the next three games. Um, next up for Arsenal. Go on, what was you going to say? I was saying I think it could be reduced. Mm, so you just think it'll be the one game? 
Yeah, given the reaction to it. I mean, if it is just the one game, he'll miss the game against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers this coming Sunday. If it is the full three-match suspension game after North London derby against Tottenham and then uh, the final game of his suspension would be against Burnley. But, I mean... Because of that, North London derby would be interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, I think contact or no contact, Pepe shouldn't have done that at all. And it's understandable why uh, Arteta was annoyed at him. And for me, if I was a manager in that situation, I am saying to Pepe, right, you've now got to prove yourself as to whether it's the three-match suspension or one, why you deserve to be back into my squad, back into my starting eleven. Because doing incidents like that, I don't want you in my team. Because if you're costing us potential points and a win and we have to play 40 minutes with 10 men, then what's the point of me picking you? It's hard to just ostracise a player like that, given how much they spend on him. Oh, yeah, you got to say, but it wasn't Mikel Arteta that spent the £72 million on him. It was uh, Stan Kroenke oh, and his son, not. Josh, that agreed on it. But you've got to say, incidents like that, it's just ridiculous whether it's full-blown contact or not. Because, I mean, if you think about it, that's ended uh, Zidane's career when he did it uh, back in the World Cup in 2006. But he was retiring anyway. Yeah. But I think, like, you just think about these incidents, like, I'm sure... Who else... Um... I feel like Wayne Rooney was involved in an incident where he headquartered someone once. Everyone obviously remembers when uh, Alan Pardew headbutted David Myler in the Newcastle Hall game all those years back. I've got, I've, I've got a good one, and it's one of the new we'll celebrate. It's Dion Dublin nutting Robbie Savage in the Second City derby in 2002 or 2003, I can't remember beautiful moment i'm leaning towards 2003 with that incident i can't remember which one it was but it's it's famous and beautiful mm. but it, the thing is though you've got to say arsenal because he arsenal. properly nuts him <laughs> yeah he does give him a proper good header but you got to think about it now arsenal are trying to clamp down on the stupidness and ill behavior because that's why they sent matteo guendozi out on loan because of his silliness with uh, Neil Morpé towards the end of last season. There's obviously been the spaff between uh, Danny Sabias and David Luiz last week that we mentioned. So you've got to ask yourself, with stuff like this going on, what on earth is going on at Arsenal? This this kind of stuff never seemed to happen under Wenger, or it just didn't seem to happen as much and get reported as much as it is now. Because of the way they were playing down the latter incident. But is it safe to say Arsenal has now become a luxury destination yeah. for players? Oh, it is. It's a luxury and it, an injury. Like all these hundreds, all these hundreds of thousands of pounds, and you just get to live in London? No. Just live out the latter years of your career. Yeah, I mean, whether you think he's a good player or not. Meza is currently on a reported 350 grand a week. Mm-hmm. To do what? 
he's literally not even sitting on the bench anymore. He, he's literally getting paid 300k a week to watch football at home and tweet yeah, about Piers Morgan. I mean, again, I don't want him tweeting Piers Morgan. That like, mm. gives me a nice laugh in the in the morning. But yes, there's numerous names. You could you could always put Aubameyang in this list. Technically. Lucky. He's got, be, he's got a bit quiet since I feel like it's tried a bit more, but he's not delivering. Mm. Aubameyang's gone quiet since the contract came in. I mean, he scored one goal since he got his contract, and that was against Man United the other week. Hasn't done anything ever since. Um, it, it, there is just something about Arsenal now where you're like, oh, if I, I know if I go there, I might have been like one of the world's best players, or even at a very good level before my move and now I'm now just like a mediocre player but I'm happy because I'm getting paid a fuck ton of money to do nothing in Ozil's case and it just doesn't seem to be the fire there underneath the Arsenal squad that you can think right they're going to go on a good run this season and are going to win the title or like put in a real good challenge for it and I'm just left there thinking, well, if I'm in any place, boots, okay. I, I, especially if I'm in Ansel's boots, why would I try and move away from the club? I'm getting paid 290 to 300 odd grand a week. And all I've got to do is train four or five days a week. I mean, he's won everything in his career. Yeah. Ozil. Now, what, what is left for Ozil to do in his career, really? I don't think much. I don't think mm. that's what are actually taking. No, I don't think anyone... I think his wage demands are too high now. And uh, I just don't think anyone would bother uh, spending that much on him. Um, But it'd be interesting to see... I'm not going to say it, but it's just one that's obviously going to come up in conversation. If Arsenal continue this poor record or poor form this season and they continue to slip... Is there going to be questions asked about Mikel Arteta as the manager? And could he potentially be sacked? Well, I think we're a while away from this daily potential sacking, but Arsenal fans will be straight on him. Mm. You saw how quick they were to go on you know, Emery. Yeah. They'll be stuck on doing the same. Oh, no. I, th- I think they want in the success, but I don't think they've got the quality for success. So, so, so. Like, yeah, you might win you might win your odd FA Cup here. If it was on the FA Cup, say, if it was on the FA Cup slightly papered over the correct it was like a plaster put over the words that actually it's still there. Yeah. It's every few months. Right, oh we will win an FA Cup just so fans forget how bad of a season we've actually had. And I think that's been the case since they've moved to the Emirates. If you ask me, they've never since moving there, which I think was 2006-07 season now, they've not once looked like they were going to win a league title. Not once looked like they were going to challenge for the Champions League. It's literally just an FA Cup and a top four finish. And then they seem happy with it. Easily satisfied. Mm. Um, the final game that we've had so far this weekend saw Liverpool play Leicester City at Anfield. I mean, and already play injury plague Liverpool should I say uh, lost Naby Keita uh, to injury 
uh, early on in the second half and had to be replaced by Nico Williams. Um, Andy Robertson, who we did think uh, was injured because he did pick up an injury with the Scottish national side, was obviously fifth. So they had a back four of Robertson, Fabinho, Matip and Milner. So in- I didn't think their lineup looked that drastic. No, considering the amount of injuries, I mean, you've got to say Diogo Jota fully deserves his place. I think if Salah hadn't tested positive, I think Jota probably would have started over Firmino. Obviously, Curtis Jones was in midfield. Um, I think anyone could have filled that role whilst they're missing a few. And then the back four is, it didn't seem too out of place. But, um, you got to say well done to Jurgen Klopp's side, uh, scoring three goals, uh, and goal from Johnny Evans, who I think I remember correctly headed it past Kasper Schmeichel. Diogo Jota's form is. He didn't even. He just let let the ball, isn't he? Uh, Diogo Jota continues his great scoring run with uh, the Reds now, and then Roberto Firmino finally scored in the game after he had countless amounts of chances to score, including uh, one that was cleared off the line. You've got to say, though, is he actually that good of a player to be in this Liverpool team? Like, yes, he does the fancy flicks and tricks, but his goals are so far between. I think Liverpool could afford that, considering they've got goals in abundance in that team. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's how he's looking. Like, he plays well. He doesn't seem to have bad games, but he's just not clinical enough. And But he gets the odd goal here and there, which does seem to be that what important at times. So, though, I think uh, if Jota continues his great uh, run of form, I think he will be starting a lot more I think, in the near future. Uh, Elsewhere in the world of football, there was the big game in Spain uh, this weekend as Atletico Madrid hosted Barcelona at the Wanda Metropolitano. It was Diego Simeone's side that won the match 1-0 thanks to a Yannick Carrasco goal just before half-time. The result leaves Barcelona in 12th place and are on one of the worst starts in the league season ever. I mean... Is that total challengers versus mid-table fighter? Yeah, you've got to say, they just don't look like doing anything. I mean, they've now they've lost Ansu Fati in the squad and to injury, and they just seem to have had all their life sucked out of them. And, like, they still seem heavily reliant on Messi, but I don't think Messi wants to be there anymore. Oh no, that's obvious. That guy has checked out of that team. Yeah, I mean... That club needs... That club needs... I don't want to say culture reset. Because there's one thing at Barcelona like it is, it's, it's culture. The way he implements it. But that team needs a whole new rebuild. Yeah. I I think it is one of those where it is theoretically a cultural reset of Barcelona 
they still seem to be trying to hold on to the Pep Guardiola way of playing football, even though he's been left. They need, they need a, a years. management restructure. Yeah. Um, I think with the presidential elections that are coming up next year, maybe that will change how things uh, will be at the club. Um, I don't know whether it will change how they play results. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if Messi does go at the end of this season, because obviously his contracts... I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone in January. Mm. Well, January or the summer, if he goes, let's say he does go, wherever it may be, Man City or elsewhere in the world, what what does Barcelona do from there? Are they going to... They're not going to get a player of his calibre in because there's n- only him and Cristiano Ronaldo are of his calibre, obviously. But what do Barcelona then do to, like... Because you don't, I don't think any of the players are good enough to be like, right, we're going to set La Liga on fire and this is our time to reign over Spain. Well, firstly, they've got to look at their recruitment. Yeah, I think too many signings. Like 30-year-old, 30-year-old Bruno Pjanic isn't going to cuss it. No. And then when they signed um, Arturo Vidal, who was late, 20s and hadn't been good for a few years or he might have been early 30s when they signed him why did they bring him in and then uh Polinio from um what was that signing <laughs> he was there for six to 12 months and then he left uh martin yeah. Braithwaite. yeah too many of their signings since about 2015-16 have just been awful and I just don't think they've got many of the transfer decisions right at all. Um, the talking point out of that game, of our, apart from Atleti winning, uh, saw Gerard Piquet go off with a nasty injury, and it seems that he has uh, torn his ACL in his uh, knee, so it is set to be his uh, season all and over. Uh, with which is saw, terrible news. Also, somewhere three to five months, which seems incredibly mm-hmm. short for an ACL. Uh, yeah, three to five months is really short. Um, I think three to four months is if he goes ahead and doesn't get surgery on uh, his knee. But if he does, it would be uh, six six to eight months if he doesn't have the surgery because that type of knee injury is one that uh a lot longer to uh, recover from because i know um not just speaking about football here but i know there's been a lot of injuries of it in the american f- football the nfl that have happened this season where they've done knee injuries and acls and they've had surgery and that's left them out for six to eight months and there has been acl injuries in football in the past which has left players out for that long so I think especially someone of his age he would rather take the time the full six to eight months to fully recover rather than be rushed back uh, elsewhere in the league uh, Real Madrid could only draw 1-1 with Villarreal uh, Gerard Moreno scored for Villarreal from the penalty spot which is I believe four penalties in the last two games that Madrid have conceded 
Mariano Diaz did score for Zinedine Zidane's side after two minutes. However, Real Madrid are still in fourth place. The uh, table toppers Real Sociedad won again, this time against Cadiz. Uh, Alexander Ishak scored after the hour mark. Um, in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich could only manage a one-all draw with Werder Bremen. Uh, Kingsley Coman scored for Bayern. Um, bit of a shock result, that, considering Werder Bremen are not having a bad season. They're having an okay season, but you'd expect that type of game to be uh, Bayern to be winning. Uh, elsewhere in the game, uh, Borussia Dortmund put five past her to Berlin. With Erling Haaland scoring a hat trick, no, sorry, four goals, wasn't it? They scored all four of them. Four of the five. Rafa Guerrero scored the other. So that was um, yeah. just just twenty four hours after he won the goal from the wall. I mean, Haaland really is just something. Time will tell. Time will tell if he's Van der Vaart or Lionel Messi. I mean, current rates. You'd be leading towards Lionel Messi rather than Rafael van der Vaart. Um, he's 19. It's red sort of goal scoring record he is. Yeah, he's just phenomenal what he's doing at the minute. Like I say, if you can keep it up and like the energy doesn't drain from him, then he's going to be go down as one of the best players in world football. you just got to hope that even if it's just like rejecting a move to somewhere like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid just so he can keep his consistency up, I think that would be the best for him. Um, the others, with the big talk is Dortmund potentially have enough future golden boy in their hands as well. Yes, yes in the hands of uh, Yusuf Mikoko, who came off the bench for his first league, uh, Bundesliga appearance after turning 16 on Friday. He became the youngest ever player to play in Bundesliga history. I mean, his goal-scoring record at the younger years of Barcelona, um, Borussia Dortmund, has been phenomenal already. I mean, he knows where the back of the net is. Really- had already wrong up, or did it really say it was like 140 something in 80 games or something? I think it was something crazy like that, yeah. He has. It wasn't normal. <laughs> like, what he's done this year, well, since joining uh, Dortmund back in 2016, has been phenomenal. I mean, Every time you hear about him, he seems to have scored three or four goals this season. I mean, in the Bundesliga under-19 league, three games, 10 goals, one assist. In the junior version of the Cup, uh, one game, a hat-trick. So, yeah. And that's someone that was born in 2004. At under-16 level for Germany, he scored three <laughs> goals depressing. in four goals. Yeah, he scored a hat trick in uh, four. I can't believe how depressing that comes. I can't believe how depressing that comes across to me as a twenty-four year old. Mm. I mean, 
in um, last season in the under 19s game, uh, despite only being 14 years old at the time, he scored six goals in his first match against uh, Vopatala SV in the club's 9 2 win. So you've got to say the future is very bright for him and Dortmund uh, forwards, especially with. Erling Haaland still there. Uh, also, Gio Reyna signed a new contract with BVB on Stale Friday to extend his stay at the club until 2025. Uh, is a very highly rated American player. Uh, over in Italy, Juventus beat Cagliari 2-0 this week. Goals from Cristiano Ronaldo separated the two sides. Um, he's been in phenomenal form since returning f- back from uh, COVID with Portugal. Um, elsewhere, Inter Milan four past Torino despite being 2-0 down after uh, an hour. Goals from Romelu Lukaku scoring a brace, Lautaro Martinez and Alexis Sanchez. Uh, gave Antonio Conte's side the win. And AC Milan's Incredible start to the season continued after they beat Napoli 3-1. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored a brace uh, before he had to go off uh, with 10 minutes left due to an apparent hamstring injury. And then Jens Petterhaug scored in the 95th minute. However, uh, Napoli played the last half hour with 10 men after Timio Bakayoko saw red for a second bockable offence. Elsewhere in the world of football, we've had MLS playoff games this weekend. Um, started the action on Thursday with the playoff play-in games between uh, Nashville and uh, Inter Miami, uh, which saw Nashville win and knock out David Beckham's side. And then we've had... Uh, second game, I can't remember which it was now, Uh, New England Revolution against Thierry Henry's Montreal Impact, and it was the Revolution that was That's Brad Brad Friedel's New England Revolution. He's not playing for him now. I think he's retired. Is he? He's the manager. Shows how little I've been keeping up. He's not. It's Bruce Arena. They must have changed that one. Suarez, Brad Friedel. Or is that a different one? No, no, I think he used to man. If I remember, keep moving. Um, but a 95th minute winner from uh, Gustavo Bu made uh, the Revolution win and head through to the round of 16. Um, then we've had some round of 16 games. Um, on Saturday, Orlando City played New York City. Uh, FC and drew 1-1 in the game but won 6-5 on penalties in a crazy game which saw goalkeeper Pedro Galesi sent off after he'd, he'd already been booked in the game in the 103rd minute for an incident and then he was sent off in the penalties for coming off his line and we said obviously about the rule where you have to keep at least one foot on your line uh, and was replaced by a Defender who said that Goodmund Thor Thorison penalty. Uh, sorry if I butchered the name there. Uh, 
saw Orlando City advance through to the quarterfinals. Uh, Columbus Crew beat the New York Red Bulls 3-2. Uh, Zarda, Starlington, Nagby and Pedro Santos with the goals for the crew to see them advance. And yesterday we had uh, Sporting Kansas City play the San Jose Earthquakes in a thrilling game that finished 3-3 in regular time. Uh, two goals in stoppage time, one for either side. Uh, Gianluca Busio scored for the KC at the start of stoppage time, whilst all-time MLS top goal scorer Chris Wondolowski scored in the seventh minute to send us to penalties, which Sporting KC would go on to win 3-0. And the goalkeeper Tim Milia uh, became the first keeper in MLS history to save all three penalties and produce a clean sheet. Minnesota United beat the Colorado Rapids 3-0 thanks to a brace from Kevin Molino and Robin Lodd scoring the other goal. And then the final game that we've That's had so far. <laughs> and then the final game that we've had so far saw the Portland Timbers take on FC Dallas. It finished 1-1 um in regulation time and after penalties it's fc dallas that will win eight seven so we've had uh all the penalties apart from the last one were scored which was missed by jorge villafana uh there's still some more games go to uh, happen in the round of 16 so toronto have to play nashville and then the philadelphia union have to play the new england revolution and seattle sounders play Los Angeles Football Club later on this week. In the world of women's football, there's some injury news concerning Arsenal and Netherlands forward Viviana Miedema, who pulled out of the international squad on Friday due to a hip injury. Uh, Miedema, who's had an excellent start this season, scoring 15 goals in 10 games uh, for Arsenal. Uh, it's unclear on how bad her injury is and whether she'll miss any game time for Joan on tomorrow's side, but she was replaced by Victoria Pelova of PSV. Um, elsewhere in the world of women's go on. That's because you can feel the that you feel the heartbreak in your voice. <laughs> I mean, she's well. I'm just going to say it. she's the best striker in women's football at the minute, and. I think not just only me, but for Arsenal fans and fans of the WSL are definitely going to be sad to see that Miedemar is injured, hopefully not for a long period of time. Elsewhere in the world of women's football, in uh, Liege 1, PSG beat Lyon 1-0 to hand Lyon their first defeat in league football in over four years which is an incredible feat to have gone that long without uh losing and you've got to say credit to psg who have looked really good side overall uh, this season and are genuinely a really good side uh back into the women's super league action they announced on friday if i'm correctly uh candidates for the player and manager of the month manager of the month players are uh, manager of the month are chelsea's emma hayes manchester city's gareth taylor and casey sternley of manchester united 
and then Player of the Month. You've got Anita Asante of Aston Villa, Hannah Hampton of Birmingham City, Penilla Harder of Chelsea, Ellen White of Manchester City, and Tobin Heath of Manchester United. The winners being announced in a few days' time. Um, now on to some great news in the world of football uh, coming from Norway. I'll hand over to you, Brett, for this story. I'm going to skip through this and click this. So, a very lovely story to end this podcast on. It's a team that no one will read, but let's just call them the Lister City of Norway. Yes. The team known as, the team known as, as Bado Glimt became the champions of Norway's elite Syrian, if that's how you say it. It was their first title in their 104-year history. Wow, that is a phenomenal feat, winning a first league title. But I can make this even better. Just the romantic side of the story. They were only just promoted to the top division in 2017. Wow, so within three years of uh, being promoted, they've gone and won the league, which is a phenomenal feat. And they also survived relegation their first season up. They were runners-up the following year and obviously won the league this year with five games to go and the currently 18 points clear of who was in second. I, I don't recall. Um... I think we said it was uh, second place was Molde. He finished in second place on 50 points where Bodo Glimt finished with 68 points. So that is an incredible feat for them. You can say it was quite like the fairy tale that happened uh, with uh, Leicester City a few years back when they won the league title. Um, that is all we have uh, for this week. We will. Been a long one this week. Yeah, I think it's because we had a lot of talking points. I think we talked about Arsenal and Barcelona respectively for a long time. Um, obviously the VAR controversy. Um, we talk VAR controversies every week. Yes. Um. We'll be back later on in this week to have a look back at the Champions League games. We were going to review them, but uh, we don't want to leave you listening to us for much longer. So we'll have a look back at how all the English sides get on in Europe, both the Champions League and the Europa League. And then we will look forward to our Premier League games. And which is what we're just going to have a quick review on is our Predictor League. So you did, we selected five games this weekend, Brad. Uh, they were Villa Brighton, Spurs Man City. Yes, luckily I hadn't. So Villa Brighton, Spurs Man City, Man United, West Brom, Leeds versus Arsenal, and Liverpool versus Leicester were the games we chose. Um, a reminder of the scoring system. So we said if we got the score right, but for the wrong team, you got a point. Right team, wrong score, you get two points. And a correct scoring team was the three points. Uh, heading into the weekend, I had a 6-0 lead over Brad. Uh, However, Brad, you've managed to get some points on the board this weekend. With, uh, oh, predicting... happy days. <laughs> We've, you predicted that... Spurs would beat Man City, so you get two points there. However, cause it, you said it'd be 2-1, not a 2-0. And then uh, we, also, we also 
both got points for uh, Man United beating West Brom, so that took you up to four and got me to eight. And uh, the final game, which either of us got points from, was Leeds Leicester for me, where I predicted it'd be a 2 2 draw. So uh, looking at it now is Brad's on four points and I am on 10, so we've still got a six point gap. Uh, I take it you'll be making the six. Uh, five selections again later on this week and we'll leave you yeah. into that on uh oh, definitely. i would i would definitely rank it much more interesting this now yes um that's all we've got time for this week uh if there's anything happens between now and our review show we will obviously talk about it in the pre-show but thank you once again for listening if you have enjoyed this and are listening to this on youtube don't forget to leave us a like comment and subscribe and if you are listening to it on any other device make sure you are subscribed and so you never miss an episode and we'll be back later on this week to preview next weekend's fixtures and have a look back at the champions league and anything else weird and wonderful that will happen in the world of football 